Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. Good afternoon, everybody. Good to see you. God's good, isn't he? I, uh, you know, for those that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, as you heard the introduction, my name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perry North of Canton Campus and Merida Campus, and I uh, get to come out here about once every four to six weeks whenever Pastor Jeremy lets me come out here. Um, but uh, I come out here not because you need me. I come out here because I need you. Uh, I love to come out here, see what God is doing. There's such great people out here, and you guys are blessed. You have a great leadership team in Pastor Jeremy and all of his team that makes up the Canton staff. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, they, they, and I... And, I, and I'm so very, uh, proud's the right word. I, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like uh, that I'm bigger or better, but I, I'm just so thankful, I guess maybe is the better word, of uh, how each time I come out here, it, I, there's a, there seems to be a, a greater depth, a greater, uh, I don't know if increase is the right word, of the presence of God in the midst of, of the worship, and that's, that's so awesome because the truth of the matter is, without that happening, really nothing gets done in our lives. It is God that makes it happen. So I'm so thankful for Pastor Jeremy, his sensitivity to this worship team, their sensitivity to the Word, to, to the presence of the Lord, and allowing that time and moment. And it's kind of put me in kind of an awkward situation too, as I was sensing this, I'm thinking, God is or you want me to go with what's prepared, or is there something else? And it's interesting, I've, I've, in, in the course of the, the many years of ministry, I've been in ministry, I've been in these moments and different occasions of where, where what you had prepared, the Lord seemed to be doing something different in the moment that you needed to go with. And it's very interesting that you would think by now I would be comfortable with that of the many times that that's occurred, but I'm not comfortable with that. There's always that struggle, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? Which, and, and we're talking about this series, Chase the Lion, which is about chasing God dreams and having the faith to step out on that. Well, I'm about to chase a lion here in shifting what I believe the Lord would have me share with you today. I, I, what I had prepared is a great sermon, by the way which uh, we, we had at 8.30 and 10. But just with what the Holy Spirit has done, I do want to shift a moment. And it, it's still within the chase the lion idea, um, but it's a portion of a message. So there's no PowerPoint. Uh, it's, it's, so if, if you happen to have a Bible or a Bible app, let me invite you to turn there. The Scriptures won't be on the screen because I'm shifting gears a little bit just to maybe encourage what has happened here this morning? Um, 2 Samuel 23 is where we're looking. We've been in this series called Chase the Lion, which is based on a, a, a man by the name of Benaiah, whose name is uh, uh, listed among 37 different men in 2 Samuel 23 that were considered God's great war, or, or King David's great warriors, his great soldiers. And it describes in that chapter a lot of different exploits that these men did through the power of God. And one of those gentlemen was Benaiah. And it says among his exploits that he 
um, uh, went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. In other words, he was a lion chaser. He chased the lion. Well, he did that literally, but we've been looking at that figuratively from the idea that uh, chase the lion describes the faith and the courage we want to have to go after the lion-like 500-pound God dreams that God has for us that are beyond our ability, they're beyond our resources, that the only way they're going to get done is by God doing them, and we have to trust Him for it. But if we'll trust Him, if we'll take that step of faith, He will demonstrate His great power and greatness in and through our lives. And Today, just with how the Spirit moved, I want to shift to looking at the idea of decisive moments where whatever opportunity or God dream or God goal that He might put before us, there are decisive moments within those. I mean, in the midst of this worship, when when Pastor Jeremy, feeling led by the Spirit, was giving open invitation and whatever, and, and for some of us that may be uncomfortable... It, it, there was a decisive moment here in the room. It was a decisive moment. Am I going to respond to what God is doing right now and calling me to? And whatever the God opportunity put before us, no matter how small or maybe it's huge, there are decisive moments that can make or break those. And if you'll allow me with the Remaining time that we have, I just want to share briefly about that. And I'm kind of looking at my PowerPoint on my phone from last week, or no, from three, two or three weeks ago. So I'm not even sure I can read it. So I'm just going to make up what I can't read, if you don't mind. But anyway, if we could have a moment, and let's just pray. And for the next few moments, just allow God to, to do what He might want to do. Father, I, I thank You for this moment and how You are working in this moment. And Father, we're just trusting You. I, I thank You for the amazing move of your spirit, the, the faith that people have already exercised to, to uh, move where you're moving. And so, Father, I pray you continue that within us as we look to what you might be trying to say now through your word to us. So, Father, I ask it now in Jesus' name. Enab- enable me to share what you want shared for your praise, glory, and honor now in Jesus' name. Amen. Several, well, it was uh, back... When my kids were small, Yudel and I have grown kids now, but our kids were, were smaller. We loved to go to Disney World. That was one of our favorite places to go. And if you've ever been to Disney World, you know it's a bit of a journey from the time you park your car in the parking lot to you actually get into the park to go enjoy the, 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 the park there. It, it takes a lot of time. I mean, you get out of your car, you got to wait for a tram, you get on a tram, it takes you to the ticket counter where you buy the tickets, you have to wait in line to buy the tickets, you finally buy the tickets, then you have to stand in line to catch the monorail, you finally get on the monorail, it takes you to the park, you have to stand in line to get into the park, and finally you get up to the ticket gate, and you can give your ticket, and you can go in. And sometimes that can take as much as an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how crowded. Well, Udella and I had our kids kids there, and it was a pretty crowded day, so it took about an hour plus to get to that point. So here we are standing in the turnstile line waiting, and it was the first time we had ever been there that you had the electronic ticket. That when you get up to the turnstile, you, you put it, there's a little slot on the front. You put your ticket in the slot, it pops up to the top, the turnstile automatically moves, and you walk in. So we're standing in line. Udell's the first one, she goes in, my kids go in, I get there, put the ticket in, it pops up, nothing happens. 
I can't get in. I put it in two or three times, nothing happens. An attendant comes over to me, nice-looking young man, probably 18, 19 years old. He said, sir, let me see your ticket. So I give him the ticket, and he's taking the ticket, he's twisting it, he's turning it, he's stretching it, he's doing all this stuff with it. And then he tried to reach over. He can't see the slot. And so he's reaching in there and just smashing the ticket all up against the turnstile. I'm thinking, man, just give me the ticket. I'll put it in, and it'll go up. Finally, he finds the slot, puts it in, pops up, still didn't work. He does it again. Two or three times, he goes through the same scenario, just smashing this ticket. It didn't work any time. He gives me the ticket back and says, Sir, you're going to have to get on the monorail, go back and buy another ticket. Way wrong answer. I said, I am not going back to buy another ticket. I obviously bought a ticket. This is not my problem. This is your problem. I'm not going back to get another ticket. He said... We can't let you in this park. Well, I don't know if it was at that moment the demon possessed me or the demon released me. I'm not really sure how it worked. But by that time, there's a large line that has stacked up behind me because I'm not going anywhere. But this was a decisive moment in this situation. I pointed my finger at that kid. It was like right at his nose. And I said, I am coming in that park. And as soon as I said that, it was like the Red Sea parted. Everybody just scattered to find another line to get in. And it's me and this guy, it's a showdown. He's either going to, I'm either going to get carted off to jail or they let me in that park. I am not moving. It was a decisive moment. He went and got his manager. The manager comes, does the same thing the kid did, twists the ticket, stretches it, does all this, smashes it up against the turnstile, finally gets to the side. It won't work. He gives it to me. He says, you got to go back and buy the ticket. I said, I'm not going back to buy another ticket. This isn't my problem. And he said, we cannot manually override the system for you to come in. And I'm thinking to myself, Disney World's a multi-billion dollar corporation and they can't override the system? And as God is my witness, this is exactly what I said to the guy. I said, well, what kind of a Mickey Mouse system do you have around here? (laughs) It was at that moment he knew he was dealing with a lunatic. And he let me in. And I'm there with my family. He gave us all kind of free stuff and said, go enjoy the park. And, And we did, but I think they had a security detail following us the entire time. We were there. But that situation, there was a decisive moment when it was make or break time in that. And and God dreams are the same way. That there's a moment and there's two basic decisive moments that I would just want to leave with you today. Two basic decisive moments. It's a decisive moment of action where I take the step of faith. And then when I'm into the God dream, There's a decisive moment of reaction where when opposition comes against me, how am I going to react? Because there's going to be opposition whenever I go after what God has for me. Now to look at this, there's a story of um, three men that talked about in 2 Samuel 23. And um, I'm going to begin in verse 9 if you happen to be there. So just... Just listen with me a moment. He talks about a man by the name of Eliezer. He said, Eliezer is the son of Dodai. This is verse 9. The son of Dodai, the Eohite. And he goes on to say, if I can move my PowerPoint here, as one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamon for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground. Say, stood his ground said he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. 
The Lord brought about a great victory that day. That's what I want you to hear very clearly. The troops returned to Eliezer, but not only to strip the, but only to strip the dead. Then verse 11, next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herahite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand, say took his stand. In the middle of the field, he defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. See, in both those instances of Eliezer and Shammah, there's, there's, there's certainly within the first instance of a decisive moment where they both had to take that step of obedient faith. Eliezer is standing there. You've got this Philistine army. He's got all the troops with him. The Philistine army starts to attack and all the troops retreat. He's there by himself. There he stands. He's totally outnumbered. The odds are completely against him, but God has him there. He doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. All he knows is this. God has me here, so I'm going to take this decisive moment of action. I'm going to stand my ground. I don't know what the ultimate outcome is going to be. All I know is this is where God has me. But I'm going to stand here till God tells me something differently. See, when God moves... When God wants us to, 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 to take that step, He only reveals enough for us so that we can take the step. He doesn't give us all the outcome. He may give us a promise that says, if you take this step, this will happen, but the step is letter A, this will happen is letter Z. He doesn't give us everything between B and Y, but He gives us enough to take that step and say, God, I don't understand it completely, but here I am, I'm going to take this step of obedient faith, and I'm going to trust you. And that's exactly what Eliezer and Shammah did. Shammah stood his ground. Shammah took his stand. Eliezer stood his ground. They were taking that step. The odds were against them, but I'm taking this step. You know, uh, Mark Batterson, who wrote the book, Chase the Lion, that we got the inspiration for this um, series from, he, he has some interesting definitions of faith that I want to read to you. He says, faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. I just know enough. I'm going to take this step, God. You show the rest of the way. Here's another one. He says, if doubt is putting your circumstances between you and God, faith is putting God between you and your circumstances. I love that. You standing here with a lot of doubt here today, you came in with that. Maybe the situation is I've got to put God between me and my circumstances, not look at my circumstances between me and God. This is my favorite one that he says. He says, faith is climbing out on a limb, cutting it off, and watching the tree fall down. Maybe that's what some of you had to come in here to do today. Maybe what this move of God here this morning was all about that. You feel like you're out on a limb, and it's getting cut out from beneath you. But if you'll stand there as God has called you to, watch the tree fall down. That may be why you're here today. Because he's saying, take that step. Take that step. Move deeper to where I'm calling you. Move deeper to what I have for you. Take that step of faith. You know, if you look in the Scriptures, where you see people taking a step, if you will. There's a lot of places where it talks about people take a step, people take a step. It's interesting to me, if I've been studying this a little bit, that God may give them a promise, but God didn't move until they took the step. 
But once they took the step, God began to move. For instance, when Jesus walked on water, everybody pretty much knows that story. He, he, he sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee. He stayed back and prayed. He was done praying. He didn't have a boat to go across, so he decides he'll walk on water. Wouldn't that be cool just to be able to do that? So he's walking on water. He catches up to his disciples, and man, they're freaked out. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, call me to come out to you. He says, come on, walk out to me. But there was only one way Simon Peter was going to walk on water. What, was, what did he have to do? He had to take the step. And certainly he took the step. God's power was demonstrated. He walked on water. And maybe you need to hear the words here today that Jesus Christ said to Simon Peter. Simon, Jesus Christ's words to him were said, Take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. And maybe what you need to hear through all the darkness, through all the wind, through all the storm, through all whatever it is, as the Lord's saying, step out, you need to hear Him say here this morning, I guess this afternoon now, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Take that step. See what God will do. That first decisive moment of obedient faith, taking that step when the odds seem huge. But then there's a second very decisive moment. The first step is I'm going after the dream. The second decisive moment is I'm going to stay after the dream because I'm going to get opposition, both for Eliezer and for Shammah. When the army began to attack, all the soldiers with them retreated. They were standing there by themselves. You know what it says about Eliezer? It says, he struck down the Philistines with a sword. He grew tired and his hand froze to the handle of the sword. That's incredible to me. That's incredible. He fought so long. He stood his ground and all of a sudden there's nobody there with him. And he could have made a decision, I'm going to run. I'm not going to stand here and fight these guys. Or he could have just felt sorry for himself, and just laid down and let the enemy run over him. Or he could have gotten mad at his fellow soldiers and said, look at those hypocrites. Look at them run. They're supposed to be the people of God. They're supposed to be the soldiers of God, and they're running. I'm not going to fight this fight. He could have joined the enemy, but he doesn't. He made a decisive moment decision of reaction of faithful perseverance. First is that decisive moment of action, obedient faith. But then there's that reaction to the opposition. And let me tell you something. Pastor Jeremy prayed it. I I thought it was right on target when he prayed a moment ago that when we leave here today, we're not going to let the enemy rob us of what God has done in this room. Because I want to tell you something. God, the enemy doesn't like what God has done in this room in our midst. And you're going to face opposition when you get out there this afternoon And you're going to have to have a decisive moment of reaction. Am I going to tuck tail and run? Am I going to sit here and say what happened in Canton Church wasn't real? It 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 didn't work? Or am I going to stand there and say something had to happen today or the enemy wouldn't care? Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? He was frozen to what God had for him. His hand was frozen to it. I don't know in a way you and I need to become frozen 
to what God has for us, for the promises He has for us, for the work He wants for us, to the calling He has for us, whatever it may be. Some of us today, maybe the step we were taking was a step of reaction and saying, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I don't know how to swing anymore, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm not giving up. My God is calling me to Him. And what happened? It says, the Lord won a great victory that day. What if he would have quit? What if Eliezer would have said, hang this? He would have not seen the victory of God. Some of us, we needed the rest of our soul today. We needed rest for our soul. We needed rest in our spirit. Maybe even needed some rest in our body because we are worn out from having to stand and take our ground for whatever way the enemies are coming against and whatever the needs and burdens that we've had to deal in our lives. But I'm saying to you, maybe the circumstance hasn't completely changed here today, but you've gotten fresh energy, you've gotten fresh faith, you've gotten a, a, a fresh passion, you've gotten a restoration within your soul that you can go out and face it. But don't quit, don't give up. If you keep standing your ground and you swing as much as you can swing with the power of God, God's victory is just in sight for you. Two critical moments of decision, of faith and perseverance, action and reaction. And always remember this, your enemy is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. That doesn't mean he's not going to roar. That doesn't mean he's going to try to intimidate. But keep swinging. The victory of the Lord is coming. And I, I close with this. When you never know when, when you make that decision that you're going to stand and keep, keep swinging, you're not giving up on God how that impacts people around you. Some of you know the story back in 1980. My, my older brother was killed in an automobile accident. He was 24, I was 21. He was driving down I-20 with his wife headed towards Augusta early on a Saturday morning, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And somebody was driving the wrong way going west in the eastbound lane and they hit head on. And my brother was killed instantly. His, his, his spouse survived. She's remarried, has three children. But as you, well, if you've ever had that kind of tragedy in your life, you know how that impacts you, what that does to you. And here I was, I was a 21-year-old struggling. I was struggling with, is this thing for real? Is, is, is God really who He says He is? I was raised in this. I'm a fourth-generation minister. I, I was raised in church. And, and I really began to struggle. Why would God let this happen? It was a devastating blow to my family. My only sibling, so I'm, a, I'm an only child now, and I just got to tell you, it's, a, it's an awful way to become an only child. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, at the funeral, when the funeral was over, and Mount Perrin Central, 
it's different than it is now because they've totally redone it, but that little sanctuary was packed. And as we started heading out and my brother's casket was being, carried, was being rolled out the aisle and then it was my mom and my dad and I was walking right behind them coming up the aisle. The choir was singing a song that says, keep on praising Him. Keep on praising Him. When you feel there is no way, praise Him in the cold, darkest night because to praise Him in the darkness brings the light. And as that song is reverberating in the sanctuary and they're pushing my brother's body up the aisle, my mother, her oldest son is dead. My mother lifts up her hands, walking out behind that casket, praising God. It was a decisive moment of reaction. How are we going to respond to this tragedy? Do we believe what we as a family have been preaching all these years? Do we believe any of that? Or is it just rhetoric? And it was a decisive moment for my mother that changed me. She's saying, I'm going to keep on praising Him. God is still God. God is still on the throne. It was a decisive moment of reaction. Three or four months later, three or four months later, I was speaking at a retreat. After I'd spoken in one of my sessions, a man came up to me, an older man. He said, Mark, you don't know me. He said, I've been attending Mount Perrin Central for a little over a year now. He said, I've lived a rough life. He said, but I came to Christ at your church, at your dad's church. My dad was pastor at that point. He said, but when your brother was killed, he said, I began to doubt God. I began to wonder whether or not God was really real. I, I began to think, I'm, I'm, I'm chunking all this. this. This can't be how this God works. He said, I came to your brother's funeral out of respect for you and your family. He said, I sat in the balcony. He said, I watched your family the entire time. He said, and when your brother's casket was being wheeled out, and I heard that song, and I saw your mother praising God, he said, I want you to know something. It changed me. It helped me to see, okay, if they still believe, then who am I to doubt? And he said, I want you to pass along to your mother. That act, that moment of worship kept me walking with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a rose garden. But that's not what the Lord promised. He promised. He promised. Whatever you walk through, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. For I am with you, he says. My rod and my staff, they comfort you. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I anoint your head with oil. Your cup overflows, he said. And here's the best part. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Keep swinging. Step out in faith. Keep swinging. The victory of God is coming. Father, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you. You're so faithful. You're so good. 
You're so generous. You're so kind. You are so wonderful. I thank you for how your Holy Spirit has moved in here today. I thank you for the openness and the response of the people. Now, God, cement within them what you have done and are doing. You aren't through with us yet. And I pray, God, they continue to walk in that faithful obedience. In whatever way the enemy would try to oppose or rise up, they'll recognize it and they'll stand fast in you, not giving up because your victory is at hand. Thank you, God. You never fail. You do all things well. And in that... We can put our trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.